Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and we are taking a big bird's eye view in this episode. There's been so much conversation in the last few years about rape prevention and Me Too and Time's Up and, you know, the Trump administration. And I feel like we are in the weeds a lot. And there's a lot of real important details to talk about. But I got offered the opportunity to have some amazing guests to talk about where the movement to end sexual violence should head, what the future is. And I thought, that sounds like a nice place to take a deep breath and for us all to envision a place we want to go together. And so I have the honor to introduce you to two amazing grassroots anti-violence activists, Kalima Young and Lorena Carusius. Lorena and Kalima, welcome to Unscrewed. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, it's a it's an, a privilege. So as you know, here on Unscrewed, before we actually talk, we go through the lightning round. So you ready? Yeah. All right. The first question is easy. What's been making you happy this week? This is Kalima. Um, I just came back from Coachella for my birthday. <sighs> and did you see Lizzo? I sure freaking did. Oh! And it was good. And I danced a whole lot. And I did a lot of good day drinking. And it was a great time to not think about anything for like four days. That sounds amazing. So this is Lorena. I don't have anything after that. Other than <laughs> I got a new job. And that is really good. And I'm super happy with that. That's exciting. Mazel tov. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sure you'll tell us about it in a minute. Absolutely. But first, I want to ask you both, what's the best sex advice you ever received? Mm. I think the best sex advice I ever received was to be okay with how I experience pleasure. Yeah. Can you say a little more about that? I've always had this kind of thing where, you know, we have these images of what an orgasm looks like and how long it's supposed to be and how involved and loud and shit it's supposed to be. Pardon my cursing. Oh, you can curse up a storm on this show. Right. And one of the things that I've been told, and it's advice I try to keep, is that I cannot, the way I experience pleasure is my way of experiencing pleasure, and I don't have to compare it to what I think it's supposed to feel like. Yes, that's wonderful advice. Who told you that? Do you remember? My wife. Yes, love it. (laughs) I love it. Lorena? The pleasure is super important. 
but it doesn't have to be there all the time. It's like, yeah, pleasure is going to be there if you are not trying to follow or to find it all the time. Pleasure is going to be there if you're just there having good time. So not to sort of chase orgasms or sort of peak experiences. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember where you learned that? I, it was a friend of mine when I was a teenager. That's wonderful. The next question is, what's been making you the maddest or saddest lately about our sexual culture? This is Lorena. So every day I work with survivors of different gender-based violence and some of the stories are really horrible just to listen and to be present. And one of the stories I hear this week was one of the person being sexually assaulted when was a, a little girl. Mm. And that really made me mm. mad and sad. And yeah. Yeah. This is Kalima. What really has been maddening to this week was something I read today. I can't remember what magazine it comes from, what online magazine, but there was a conversation about how the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation process, how triggering it was and detrimental to women. I read that too. Yeah. yeah. And just reading that brought back all of that feeling I had in the fall while this was going on. And also reminded me of just how much that confirmation hearing confirmed clear and straight out that this world hates women and that our government yeah. hates women and society hates women. <laughs> yeah, so that's just been pissing me off. I also felt so, honestly, so sad when I read that piece because uh, that was super true for me. I was triggered for like, a long time and and like you all you know i do anti-sexual violence work so i i don't get triggered by everything at this point in my life and it's so real all right next question what is a myth about sex that you used to believe but don't believe anymore this is kalima i used to believe that the only way that you can have real sex is vaginal sex mm -hmm. and that's a myth 100 percent this is Lorena. I used to believe that orgasm was a myth. And uh, because my friends said that that was something that never exists or never never experienced. And now I know it's a myth. Thankfully, I know it's a myth. Yeah. Uh, and last question. Who is somebody who you think is doing really brave work to unscrew the sexual culture? Just give somebody a shout out that you think is doing great work. Big up to Lizzo. She made me feel powerful and awesome and sexual and beautiful on my birthday. And I really appreciate that. Yes. So oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> and I want to say that all the leadership team members of the Monument Quilt are doing an amazing job. Everyone working on their own work, their nine to five, and also doing all this amazing work to end rape culture. Can you say a little bit more about the Monument Quilt for folks who don't know what that is? Absolutely. The Monument Quilt is a project that is a national project, and we work together with survivors of different violence, sexual violence, and they write, stitch, paint their stories of abuse. They put it together in a red quilt, and uh, we're going to have a final display in May 31st 
and June to June 2nd when we're going to pull all the quilts together. And that's going to be on like the National Mall, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so exciting. And the both of you are involved with Force, the organization behind the quilt. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Excellent. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we go as well. You survived the lightning round. You did great. So let's start by getting a little grounding and learning a little bit more about what each of you are doing in terms of the anti-rape movement, anti-gender-based violence movement on on a day-to-day basis. And also, if you want to talk about your history, like not just literally what you're doing today, but also maybe what you also have done previously. Sure. This is Lorena. I'm an immigrant. I'm a Latinx. I've been working in New York for the past eight years, but before I was working in Mexico. When I moved to New York City, I found different places and I started working with the Latinx community and basically people that have survived different types of violence. So in my everyday job, that's what I do. I work with survivors and basically the Monument Quilt has given me the opportunity to develop some programs for them and to have their story also here. Because sometimes the language barrier, the immigration status, they really add layers of oppression or systemic oppression to them. And it's difficult for survivors when the possibility of being deported, if they report what had happened to them, make the situation harder. So that's what I do in my everyday. I work with Latinx trans survivors as well and with people that are seeking some type of relief, emotional and legal relief here in U.S. Amazing. This is Kalima. So the work that I do around gender-based violence and sexual violence is mainly tied up with the volunteer work I do for FORCE. So as a member of the Intentional Spaces team, it's been my job, primary duty, to develop and create spaces when the monument quilt is on display where different groups of people, depending on their identity and affinity, can have emotional support, do what we call healing modalities, have calming de-escalation practices and things of that nature. So that's how I more actively work on gender-based violence and sexual violence. Outside of that, I am a professor, and my doctoral research is on the impact of race and gender-based trauma on Black American identity formation and Black cultural production, i.e. the kinds of work we make in response to our trauma. So I study trauma, and I study how to view trauma and traumatic images from a space of empathy, especially viral videos of Black death. Oh, yeah. So that is where my research scholarly wheelhouse lies, is in conversations of trauma, identity, empathetic viewing practices, and ways that we respond to trauma through our art and our identity creation. Phenomenal. Wow. All right, so let's have this hard conversation. I find it's really hard to talk about the future doing movement work a lot of the time because the present requires so much attention, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you were just talking about the, you know, the Kavanaugh hearing. And I, just, I feel like, you know, every day or every week, there's a new crisis, not to mention Lorena and the kind of work that you're doing, you're dealing with new 
new clients or I don't know how you refer to them, you know, but new folks dealing with trauma every day. And and so so much of this work happens in the moment and in the in the sort of present tense responding to crisis. And that work is so important. But I also really deeply believe that we need to know what we're moving toward and not just stay in that crisis response framework with all of our attention. But I also know that, you know, I've spent a lot of time asking different kinds of activists and sort of change makers, you know, like, what does your future looks like? And how do we get there? And it's a hard question to answer. And so I think for the jumping off point, I am going to give you the the framework that I tend to give when, which is, if you could change if you if I were a genie, and I could give you three wishes, <laughs> that would change things about rape culture, let's say, what would you change? Like you could change laws, you could change culture beliefs. You you know what 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 would you wish for? This is Kalima. Not to sound, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to sound glib or anything, but I would change our conception of time. And what I mean by that is that, so I feel like it does feel like we're in crisis mode all the time that we're always addressing there's a new thing that's coming out and la la la. But actually, if other than the way that this information is coming to us with the media saturation and da da da, other than the way that it's coming to us, it's not changed. <laughs> like mm. people have been steadily building and doing this work for uh, years and years and years. And nothing has come out of the air and out of the ether, right? People have mm-hmm. been building the groundwork for addressing these issues since we had the first revisioning of what Medusa, the Medusa story is all about, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Right. So I would change our conception of time. And this is going to sound real ridiculous, but I'm a sci-fi girl. If you read like Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut, he says that humans on the planet Earth the characters, like these aliens called the Trafamadorians, they believe, they said humans see time as if it's through a tunnel, that we are steadily moving towards a tu- towards a thing. But the people on his planet, the Trafamadorians, see time in a sort of flat landscape, i.e. they see the beginning of life and the end of life happening all at the same time. Are you saying like, time is a flat circle? <laughs> Yeah, like time is flat, right? Mm-hmm. So as much as we might think that there's a future, we're already in that future. Do you know what I'm saying? Because we wouldn't have the language of, of rape culture if folks hadn't already been doing the work. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're actually in the future right now. But we have the tendency to think that there's this goal we're moving towards, and it's just been a steady movement that's been happening. So that's kind of my approach to that. And it might be a little more sci-fi than what people might think. No, I love the sci-fi. I get what you're saying mostly, although it hurts my brain a little. Um, but but I think what I, I'm constantly saying when people are like, oh, now that we're in this post Me Too era and I'm constantly being like, hold up. Like Me Too was mostly like, first of all, was founded 10 years ago. But if you're talking about like the media coverage of it, that was like a moment that a bunch of people 
built up to. Like it didn't just happen out of the blue and now it's over. Neither of those things are true. So I get it on that level, but I don't get what it tells us about how to move forward. Right. I think what it tells us for me, having that conception of it tells me that the more that we are doing the work right now, the more foundations are being laid for folks to do new kinds of work. So you're just saying do the work and trust that the future will happen. I'm saying do the work and trust that you're already in the future. All right. I'm going to try and get that in my brain, but I'm not quite there yet. Lorena, do you want to use up one of your wishes? Oh, Kalima. I think I'm with you in the part that we are doing already the job and we have been doing it for, for many, many, many years. And so I'm really thinking, so what do we have to do right now? other than keep doing the job because others are always going to come to do another type of work. And I'm thinking I'm really getting involved and really getting into what we are doing. And maybe the part that I, is difficult for me is to think that we are already in the future. Okay. <laughs> I hope the future is a little better. But yes. yeah, <laughs> right? I have the hope, but let's keep doing the work. I, I'm, what I'm taking is we can't just sit down thinking that we already did the job because we have to keep doing it. But honestly, it's more complicated than it looks because there, there have been a lot of people doing it already. And it's because of the people that we are able to see what we see right now, that we are able to do what we are doing right now. And it's like, I I think it's a process as well. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask this question a slightly different way. Who is doing anti-gender-based violence work right now that you think is innovative or gets you really excited? I think the innovation sometimes looks like the orgasm, that it has to be lights and noise and shine but the innovation is also doing the type of work that we do every day but with this idea of really involving the person the community and like looking for accountability and and real changes on the people we work with the monument quilt is a group of volunteers just to start And there are, I think we have four or five people that are getting paid for this work. But if they are just five people doing this this job, it's impossible. But there are many more, like Kalima, myself, and many others. I don't remember exactly how many we are. We work in different states and we replicate the type of work. And then we get together and we plan what we're going to do when we leave what we're going to do in each of our states or what we're going to keep doing. And I think it's transformative because when we get together, we also have this healing space for us. Mm -hmm. And then we go to our everyday work to do what we do, knowing that there is another group of people supporting our work as well. And in my case, I feel like I'm not alone doing this heavy work every single day. Yeah. Yeah. 
This is Kalima. I agree with Lorena. Like the work that we do with Monument Quilt feels really transformative because, like she said, we are all individual people doing our own individual things, but we're working from a collective standpoint where you know that always there's somebody out there that has your back and gets where you're coming from with it. And we try to be our best humans with one another. And it's one of the most exciting bits of movement work I've been involved in is everybody's been trying very hard to bring their highest self to the work. So that means holding each other accountable and being always about consent all the time and saying the hard stuff and also saying the love stuff all in the same space. Because I think sometimes we get caught up in this idea that movement work is, it's, we have this sort of masculinist idea of movement work, right? Mm. You've got a hierarchy of people mm. and it's very impressive. But it's, a, it's interesting, it's like a group of survivors who run this project. So everyone leads with that as an identity and with this idea that they're gonna try to be the best person that they can be in those moments. So that's one thing that I, I would definitely shout out as I feel like that is doing the work the way the work's supposed to be done. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I love the work that Tamara Burke is doing with Me Too and this entire new HBCU campaign that's going on. Oh, I don't know about this. Tell me about this. So, you know, she's the founder of the actual Me Too movement, Tarana Burke, and she is taking her platform across to HBCUs across the entire country. She's on a tour to get actual campus communities and by proxy, Black communities to really start addressing specifically sexual violence and gender-based violence and how it plays out in our schools and in our college campuses. And I think that is just brilliant, targeted work, especially in light of the heightened conversations after surviving R. Kelly mm -hmm. and 
heightened conversations that keep on happening in the black community where we have the whole stars and people that we have as icons accountable for their practices. I think this is a really key time for her to be reaching out to HBCUs and provide helping them think about frameworks to be able to better dress rape culture in those situations, like in those communities. So I definitely am loving that work that's going on and loving how strongly she is again, with the pushback. They just recently had a pushback at one of the HBCUs where they came in and did a whole conversation about it. And they came up with like, this is an agreement that your campus can have to be a Me Too oriented campus. And she had a lot of pushback from administration and left in the middle of it because she was not gonna have her principles compromised because they couldn't get with the program about protecting black women. And I was just like, word. That's some real shit. I mean, it sounds, it sort of rhymes with what you were saying about Monument Quilt, which is that we need to be doing the work in the way we want the culture to be. We need to be creating in the way we do the work, the culture that we want to exist. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I wonder also, I'm thinking a lot about the power of art and creative output. You know, you mentioned Surviving R. Kelly. I also recently saw this phenomenal documentary, which is called Roll Red Roll, which is about the Steubenville, Ohio case from a few years ago by director Nancy Schwartzman. And the thing that I find really astonishing about that is that there's no performance of victimhood. Like the victim is not there. There's no requirement that anybody sort of gets on tape and cries about how horrible sexual violence is, although it is, and we do cry about it, but that the focus is on the perpetrators and the enablers and the badass women who like, who brought them to account. Yeah. And I know you're, you know, Monument Quilt is also sort of an art project. And I wonder what you think about the role of art in the movement. I think artists are able to see around corners that when you're trained to be an artist, you are trained to see more than what's there, no matter what medium you are working in. So when there's art that is focused on social justice and activism, you're often going to get a newer perspective or a new take, a new orientation. Right, because we, you know, we'd been hearing the, the R. Kelly story for years, like anyone who'd been paying attention knew about it. But, but Dreamhampton's do documentary really made everyone see it anew. Yeah. And I think people respond to specific mediums in different ways, right? So right now, something like documentaries and confessionals are really par for the course about for the way that we take in media, right? We're so used to taking in media mm -hmm. this way that it feels fresh and new. But artists all the time are working very hard to communicate collective feeling and collective expression and collective identity. And that's why it ends up being such a powerful tool because through art, we can see parts of ourselves, even if it's not our own story. And it's mm -hmm. not just having to put your story out there, you know, because I think some people's stories are sentimental narratives that we want to hear, but that doesn't mean change is going to happen. Yes. I want to be able to bear witness to survivors who want to tell their stories, but I don't, I don't believe that much that just a survivor getting up and telling their story, like if that was going to change things. Things would have changed a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. Right. right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and this is Lorena. And also art in my clinical work, sometimes 
we work and we talk about what had happened and it's a different way. When I started working with the monument quilt, what I found was how transformative was for the people being able to use the way they want and the way they want to tell their story and not necessarily has to be a narrative. Mm-hmm. It can be something else. And it's also a transformation for them. Art also facilitates, it's like a vehicle, it's like it really helps the person in the personal space to tell a story that sometimes they didn't want to tell at that moment, but when they are in the process, it's like, okay, I did it. Mm-hmm. And something changed. Something changed because it's not just sitting down in front of a quilt, but it's also sitting down with a quilt with other people, knowing that the space is safe, knowing yeah. that the story is going to be told there. It's not just for them, but it's going, it's going to be connected also with other people. Mm. And it's transforming the person and at the same time connecting with these others that are not here. And I think that sense of reconnecting with other survivors in yeah. different way really change and really transform the way that survivors are telling their own stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the anti-violence movements that you work in, but also the anti-violence work that you witness, that you see, what do you wish there was more of? I really wish that the diversity of people's experiences and identities were more in the forefront of our work against gender-based and sexual violence, that we hear and know more stories from even from more marginalized populations, that those stories would garner as much empathy as some other folks that we hear from the stories from men who experience sexual violence, that we hear the experiences of children in their own words, um, that we hear and understand the experiences of those who are abusers who have gone on to abuse. I think that having a diversity of people and stories and ways of understanding This moment, understanding sexual violence and gender-based violence and the diversity within those stories and having each of those stories and people's lives be held up as legitimate and worthy of justice and healing, it would be really helpful to me. And I don't feel like I see it very much in national conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with that part. And and I think it's also the part of whose stories are there in how difficult it is for some communities to pour their stories there because there are other layers of oppression that really prevent us from telling our stories. It's difficult and it's the type of work that we should keep doing. What keeps you hopeful? I mean, I'm assuming you both have hope for change or you wouldn't keep doing the work. What, where do you derive hope from? Even though my everyday work is hard, yeah, the transformation and the possibility of people, survivors, having a space when they can go and they can reach out for support 
or they can connect with other survivors. It really, it really give me, gives me hope. Is their transformation is also transforming myself, and that really gives me hope. Seeing them changing, seeing people changing the way they see survivors, it really gives me hope. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think what gives me hope is seeing my own self and my own journey that I've had over the years with my status as a survivor Mm -hmm. and realizing over the years how much more articulate my understanding of my experience has become. Like what gives me hope is just like, I feel that I, I, I firmly feel that as one who has experienced sexual violence, who has family members who have experienced it, who has ancestors who have experienced it, I feel like the work that I do right now not only helps to change and shift the energy for future family members in my lineage, but I think also you can send that sort of healing energy back to your ancestors too. So that gives me hope that like the work that we do right now can stop patterns that would perpetuate into the future of the line of folks that I'm a part of. Yeah. Well, and if time is a flat circle, then it can go backwards and forwards, right? That healing. Exactly. Thus, my Afrofuturist approach to this thing. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Let me ask you my actual final question, which is, Tell us all the details about how folks can connect with the Monument Quilt uh, display that's happening in D.C. And I also understand there's like a conference happening around it or something, right? So the Monument Quilt is going to be on the National Mall the end of May to June 2nd. So that Friday, Saturday and Sunday on the National Mall, blanketing the mall. And we're going to have a myriad of events. So not only is the the Monument Quilt going to be on display And the 3,000 stories from survivors will spell out the words not alone in English and also not alone in Spanish. There will be tents and places and activities for folks to go to while the monument quilt is on display. We're going to have music and entertainment. There's also going to be a town hall that's going to happen on Saturday where we're bringing in folks and having a hardcore policy conversation about what policies and legislations we want to be putting in over the next year, voting practices and folks who have had a pretty good track record of addressing the needs of those who are survivors and those who aren't and who we need to target. So that's going to be happening on Saturday. I'm also facilitating a panel discussion with the executive director of the NAMES Project, talking about the connections between the Monument Quilt and the NAMES Project, which is the AIDS Quilt, and unpacking what it means to do public grief and what is that process and what happens in the process. Is there any other programming I'm forgetting, Lorena? No, you pretty much told you the programs that we're going to have buses going from New York City, from Baltimore to the display, and... uh, we're going to have Marisa Alexander as our keynote yes. on, on Saturday, and uh, people can connect with the quill. We are still seeking for donations and volunteers. And people can create quilt squares while they're there Amazing. and that's add Im- to the money. That's important information. I assume there's a website where everyone can get the info on this? Yes, themonumentquilt.org. 
fantastic. How can folks follow your work? Are either of you on social media or do you want to shout out your organizations, if not your own selves? Lorena, shout yourself out. Sure. People can find me on Facebook as Lorena Corusias. And because I just changed my job, I want to keep that as a surprise, my new position. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I'm in Facebook. People can follow us also as the Monument Quilt Project. We have a Facebook page and they can follow us there and see what's coming up and getting connected with the quilt. Also, we're going to have people making quilts in different states as well. People that may be not able to get to Washington, D.C., they're going to be making some quilts in other states. And all of that will be on the website, monumentquilt.org? Yeah. All the information is going to be there. Okay. Yeah, themonumentquilt.org. Oh, themonumentquilt.org. Great. Kalima, okay. what about you? How can we find you or your org? Ah, well, I'm a professor at Towson University, so you can always shout me out. <laughs> uh, my email is kyoung at towson.edu. Um, and the work that I do around empathetic viewing and race and gender-based trauma all happens there. <laughs> Amazing. And I am at Jacqueline F on Twitter and Jacqueline Fable on Instagram. That's J-A-C-L-Y-N-F or Fable, depending on where you're following me. You can also find me at JacquelineFriedman.com. Friedman is F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. You can find Unscrewed wherever you like to get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Acast, wherever you like it. All I ask is, you know, give us five stars and a little review and it helps other people discover the show. The song of the podcaster. <laughs> Unscrewed is produced by yours truly, Jacqueline Friedman, and edited by the fantastic Natalia Rodriguez. Our in and out music is by The Pink Tiles and our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna and was developed in collaboration with The Establishment, who also developed the sound cues. Until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.